So for the last seven weeks, we've been working through or been journeying towards Veritas. There's been this sermon series, and there's still a few more weeks to go, but to help us hold all these parts together, a few weeks ago we had an image on the screen of, of a tree. Maybe now you can picture this tree now, this giant oak tree with this big, massive trunk, this big canopy of leaves. But we began where we ought to always begin, with the roots, the roots of the tree that anchor this massive oak to its place, but also the roots where it gathers up its energy. This tree is like a metaphor. These roots for us are the the first three sermons of this series where we talked about our relationship with God, that everything about vitality as a church comes out of our relationship with Christ. We began with the centrality with the Word of God. And we talked about this life-transforming walk with Jesus. And we talked about heartfelt worship, that these are the roots. Our relationship with God, these are the roots that hold us in place. These are the roots that which God nourishes us. But then we move to this trunk, the trunk that connects the roots to the fruit, a trunk being the way that we relate to each other, the way that we live together as one family. Mike started this sermon, that, sermon, or that section of the sermon series about this compelling Christian community. That we are a compelling community, that we live together and we love each other well, like one family. Then we talked about generous living and giving, the sacrificial way of going about life. And then last week we talked about leadership or a culture of godly leadership among us. Today we're going to be talking some about fruitful organizational structures. <laughs> Sorry, I have a hard time preaching a sermon about fruitful organizational structures. But the passage that fits this is Acts Chapter 6, verse 1 to 7. Let's read that together. If you'd like to, turn to your Bibles. Turn to Acts chapter 6, verse 1. Or if maybe you've forgotten your Bible, there's also this green sheet in the bulletin that we can read from there. It reads, In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Pachorus, Nicanor, Timon, Paramenus, and Nicholas, from Antioch to convert, excuse me, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. As I was working through this passage, I, I have to admit, I wasn't so focused on fruitful organization structures. <laughs> But I did see a church that was growing. And with all growth comes growing pains. Whether you're growing larger as a church or growing smaller, it comes with growing pains. So it's not a matter if you have growing pains, but rather how well you handle them. You see, the church in Jerusalem was starting to grow. And so they had these growing pains, um, otherwise known as conflict. But they had growing pains. 
You see, in the beginning, when it was just a small group of disciples following around Jesus, things were easier. It was easier to talk and to work out difficulties. But also, too, they largely came from sort of the same part of the world. But after Pentecost, everything changed. The day of Pentecost, when the disciples began preaching in other tongues, and the people of all the nations heard them speaking in their own tongue. And people from all throughout the Mediterranean, Jewish people who had traveled to Jerusalem, they began to hear this good news of who Jesus is. And they stayed. So now you've got the locals and all of these visitors, all these imports. You've got people who speak probably Aramaic, the people in, in Israel. And then you also have all these people from the Mediterranean, from Egypt, from Syria, from maybe as far away as Rome. And they're probably speaking to each other in Greek. So you have these two groups in the church now. You can imagine already you've got the locals and then you've got those people. You know who I'm talking about. Those people. They had different language. I mean, it's true that probably the people who were living in Jerusalem, they could probably get by in some Greek, but the other people, they spoke Greek. Their culture was Greek. The way that they ate, the way they dressed. Maybe even the way that they worshipped, even their ideas about God was shaped by Greek. So people were thinking Greek and people were thinking Aramaic. And the two were trying to live together. And it came to a head in the way that food was distributed to widows. There was a conflict. Now I see some similarities with our church. Not that we have any conflict. I mean, no conflict. But that there are some differences here. I mean, think about our church and how there are some people here, I'm actually, I'm tempted, who here was born and raised in the Kootenays and have lived here all your life? Just a few. We have a lot of people who are imports here. The interesting thing about that is that many of you come from different parts. So it's not like you've all come from Calgary, though I think a lot of you have come from Calgary. But you come from other places, some people from other countries. Very distant places far to the south. <laughs> strange accents. But some people, like we have people in our church who have come from the Philippines, people who have come from Eastern Europe. All these people coming together. And you get all these people together in one room. And you can see that there's going to be growing pains. I was thinking about it this morning as we were singing some new songs. And in some ways, like for those people who grew up here, you know, there's there's songs that are familiar. There's songs that you know that we've been singing for years. But then also new people come. And they are like new songs that we learn to sing. Those songs are beautiful too. And they feel awkward at first because you're not really sure how they go and you realize that you come in at the wrong place or you sing too long in one part. But once you begin to learn them, you see how beautiful they are. And when we come together, these growing pains are good. They grow us. Take heart. Growing pains are good. What's troubling, though, is that some churches, they resist growing pains. They don't like growing pains. They don't like conflict. You maybe know of churches or talk with people who are like that or who have been part of churches like that. You know, it's the people who say, I don't really want our church to get any bigger. I like the people the way they are. You know, because I can go and I already know everybody and 
I don't like it if I were to go there and there'd be a lot of people I don't know. That feels weird to me. Or you've got other people, maybe you've been to churches or you've heard people talk about churches and they say, you know, it's, I like our church. It's our kind of people. You know, it's people that we relate to, that we dress alike and we think alike. And You know, it's great. It's, you know, it's, we're all for the kingdom of God and helping people who are different than us out on the street as long as they stay on the street. But don't, don't, let's not talk about them actually having, having them sit next to us in the pew. It's troubling because churches can begin to resist growing pains. It feels difficult. The trouble is if you are resisting this as a church, you are already dying. When we resist growing pains, we are already dying. It's true, the, the bills might be paid and the, and the pews might remain full for a while. But if we are not moving forward as a church, we are moving backward. And what I mean by moving forward is I mean faithfully following God and His desire for us as a church. If we aren't moving forward, we're moving backward. And you can't move very, backward for very long before you're not moving at all. So growing pains are good. I want to encourage you. Take heart. If we have growing pains as a church, it's, it's at least a clue that we are doing some things right. And I believe that we are called to enter into growing pains with courage. To be courageous as a people. To be courageous and begin to talk about the growing pains that we have. To be gracious and honest with each other. To begin talking about it. So if you look at what the apostles did in Jerusalem when they began to have growing pains, what did they do? They, did they convene a high-level meeting with top officials to go away for a weekend retreat to come back and tell everybody what they had decided? No. They gathered together the whole church. They gathered together all the disciples. Now this is kind of a big deal when you begin to think about it because it could mean just the congregation maybe a few hundred people. But we also know that just a few chapters back, in, in, at the day of Pentecost, over 3,000 people came to believe. This could be a huge group that they've gathered together to talk about this issue. They've gathered the group together and they speak honestly. They say it's not right for us. It's not good for us to neglect the ministry that God has given us, the ministry of the Word for us to then take up our time with this other important ministry of serving the tables. Basically, and what they mean is serving the food or distributing food to widows. Both are good, but God has given us this, this task of the Word that we need more people to take care of this task of serving. I think about our church, too. How well we communicate as a church. And... I don't know, maybe you disagree with me, but I think that as a church that we're about average when it comes to communication, which is kind of mediocre. I was thinking about it this week that as a church, and especially me as a leader, I take a lot of responsibility, I do a lot of reporting. Reporting to you of what's happening, what will happen, decisions that have been made. And I was realizing this week that we, don't, we haven't done as much discussing as a church. And I apologize to you for that. Forgive me for that. Forgive us as leaders for that. But we need to be talking more. Discussing more as a church. 
That the direction we are headed, if we are to remain faithful to God and to the, the direction that God has called us, we need to be discussing and discerning this as a church. I don't know if you've got it yet, or maybe you probably have already, but Veritas, this weekend that's coming up in three weeks, Veritas, the whole point of us, the whole point of it is to get us talking, to get us discussing this as a church. That we begin having these conversations about where do you think God is calling us as a church? How faithfully are we following Him? That's one of the goals. That's one of the goals of Veritas, and especially of the whole church vitality journey that we are on, is that we begin discussing this. We begin discussing the direction that God has called us together as a church. But I, I already feel, um, I feel somewhat had trouble with this too because I'm going to need help with this. I think the leaders of our church, because of the way we've been doing things, we're going to need help. Then when it comes to a time when it seems like you're getting another report or maybe a report that some of you or one of you would courageously stand up and say, I think we should discuss this as a church. When it comes to direction and where God is calling us, the big things like that, I'm inviting you, I'm asking you as your brother, Stand up and say, I think we should be discussing this. We need to discuss things more as a church. It's good we need to have reports, and there are things, sometimes there are things that fit reports well. Here's what's happening, here's what we can praise God about, here's what we need to do. But for the really big stuff, like where we are headed as a church, we need to discuss that. It is my desire that we would become a church that discusses things. That discussion that assessment of how we're doing, how faithful we are following God, these are good and normal conversations. These are the normal conversations that a church should have. We don't need to be afraid. We don't need to avoid growing pains to try and sweep them under the rug or try to act like they're not there. A healthy family, a healthy family talks about things. When there's conflict, when there are growing pains, when there are things that are getting at us, that we talk about them, that we discuss them as a family. Then I'm excited for us as we begin to realize, as we as a church begin to realize that discussion is good, that talking about the things that we wish were different, talking about the things, even the things that really get under our skin in a gracious way, talking about this is good. And we begin to look at, at growing pains and even conflict, not just as bad things to try and avoid, but as opportunities for us to grow together as a church, to grow in our faithfulness. Maybe some of you are seeing the connection points here with your own family, dealing with the things that are difficult. Open and honest and, and loving conversation about things that you wish were different are things that are really getting under your skin. God is calling us to enter conflict, to enter growing pains courageously, to talk about them, to discuss them together, not to try and avoid it or act like it's not there, but to enter with courage. But I also hear God, I also hear in this passage, us being, us being challenged, us being encouraged to enter conflict together to enter conflict as the family of God, as one body, as one church, as one family headed by Christ. 
don't know if you noticed this, well, you probably did, but the, 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 the apostles, after they had called the whole group together and said, it's not good for us to, to neglect the word that God has given us, the ministry of the word, to wait tables or to serve in the table ministry, the next thing they said is they say, brothers, and I think they mean brothers and sisters, whole church, you take care of this. You choose seven people. They're gathering the whole church up into this. The whole church working at it together. Not just some group of people who think that they have all the answers. But the whole church is involved in it. Now there are some things that need to be done by a small group. There are some things that are really delicate. And I was thinking about last year, about the situation with Max and Colleen. Like it was good for that to be handled by a very small group of people. And they handled it well. But there are other things, like the direction of our church, the mission of our church, the, the ways that we are involved in our community. These are discussions that we need to have as a whole church. I think, that as, I think the apostles in that time, they trusted the Holy Spirit in people. This is just after Pentecost, and people have been filled with the Spirit of God, and they trust them. They trust the church because they are Spirit-filled. They trust them with these conflicts, with this growing pain to work it out. You know, sometimes it happens in churches. And it even happens here sometimes that we get the wrong ideas of church about we have pastors or professional Christians. And it doesn't happen very much here, but I've been in places where it does, where you have pastoral staff. Those are the people we pay to do this stuff. I think, if anything, in here in our church, it's probably some of my fault. And again, I apologize to you. Forgive me for the times that I take too much on myself. When I try to do too many things by myself just because it would be really complicated to try and do this together. Please forgive me. But also sometimes as a church, we have to be careful that we don't too easily step aside and let others do it for us. That we all have responsibility as a church. Each of us have a role in ministry in this. We each have different roles. As the pastor, I have a role. As leaders, some of you have roles. But all these roles are equal in responsibility. We have a responsibility equally for this church. This is not my church. This is God's church. This is your church. This is our church. And we have the responsibility to discern the direction that God is calling us. I don't know if you've maybe connected the dots here, but what I'm talking about is the priesthood of all believers. That as a covenant church, we affirm this. We believe strongly in this. The priesthood of all believers. That all of you have been called into ministry. Ministries in this church, ministries out of this church, ministries as far away as Guatemala. You are the ministers of this church. We minister together to faithfully follow God. the priesthood of all believers. Do you see this in the way that the apostles are talking here? Do you see that basically they've done this massive, this massive affirmation of the priesthood of all believers? They didn't go away and bring some top-down decision. They got the, the whole people, the body together, and they said, you figured this out. You worked this out. If we want to be faithful... To, the, to God's desire for our church, then we're going to have to do this together. We're going to have to work at this together. We'll be tempted at times to divide, 
Maybe among generational lines, the older and the younger. Maybe among geographical lines, those who grew up here and those who didn't. Or maybe along ideological lines, those who think like this and those who think like that. Resist the temptation to divide. Remember that we are here because we love Christ. That is more powerful than anything to hold us together, despite the differences that we may have. As a covenant, we have this saying that in the priorities, in the, in the main things, unity. In the secondary things, diversity. But in all things, charity, or all things, love. That we hold each other together, even when maybe we disagree about things. Even when there are new people here, like myself, with strange accents. That we still hold each other together. We still are in this together. That we have been called, that I believe that you have been called to this place. You're not here by accident. That we are here together by God's grace, by God's design. That we are one people, one body, one church headed by Christ. God is calling us into this. That we enter this courageously and we enter it together. That we are in this together. All growth comes with growing pains. All growth comes with growing pains, with conflicts that we have to work out. It's not a matter of when or if, but how we will go through these growing pains. If we want to, if we want to handle these growing pains well, we're going to have to talk about them. When things come up that we're not sure about or that maybe get under our skin, we're going to have to talk about them as a church. And we're going to have to approach them together courageously handle them together and it will be worth it. It will be worth it. Did you see the way that the church in Jerusalem, did you see the fruits that began to happen when they, when they handled things, they talked about it and then they handled it together? The last verse says that the word of God grew. The number of disciples grew at a fast rate. And even the priests, even the people in their community who were least likely to believe in Christ. The people who they thought would never come around, they too began believing and following. I'm looking forward to this Veritas weekend that we have coming. When we will gather here together in three weeks, June 15th on the Friday evening, Saturday morning the 16th, and then 17th, Sunday. When we will gather together and we begin talking and discussing, discerning where is God calling us as a church? How faithfully are we following that? I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful to see the fruit that will come out of our discussion, out of your faithfulness. I'm also encouraged, I'm interested to see the challenges that will come out of how will we challenge each other? How will we stretch each other? How will our honest and truthful conversation help to move us forward? I don't know if you have realized it yet, but this Veritas, or this journey towards Veritas, this movement towards church vitality, this is an enormous affirmation of you, the church. I pray as we move through this that you begin to hear me saying, just by the fact that we are in this, on this journey, I pray that you hear me saying that I love you. That as your pastor, I love you. I love you so much that I will not let us, I will not let us stay comfortable. Even though it might be easier 
to maybe hold off on what God wants us to do. I love you too much for this. That I will, because I love you, that I will challenge you. I believe that true love also challenges. It encourages, it comforts, but it also challenges. But I also pray that you will see that this is showing you that I trust you. That the leaders, that the, the side leadership team, those who are among you who lead, that we trust you as a church. That we have faith in you as a church. That you are faithful people. That you are gifted people. Powerful people. Powerful in your own lives and powerful in our community. Faithful in following Christ. Filled with God's Holy Spirit. I pray that you see that we believe in you. That I believe in you. I'm excited to see who you will be. I'm excited to see the direction that you'll discern that God has for our church. If we want to see God's desire for our church, it's going to come with growing pains. But the growing pains are good. If we want to see growth in our church, if we want to see growth in our faithfulness, if we want to see ourselves grow healthier and more missional as a church, it's going to come with growing pains. But the growing pains are good. If we want to see, if we want to see this church filled with people, I'm talking about wall to wall, shoulder to shoulder, people praising God because of what He has done in their life. If we want to see our community changed, our friends and our neighbors different, with this new life in Christ, no longer is there addiction in our community, no longer is there abuse in our community. No longer are there people who try to just get by living alone in our community. Families that are healthy. Children who have their parents there. Who are reminded how how good they are. Parents who care for them. Spouses who love each other. If we want to see this in our community, it's going to take growing pains. There will be growing pains, but the growing pains are good. It's not a matter if we have growing pains, but how well we go through them. Amen.